Welcome to People in Exile, where we have conversations, host interviews, discuss books, and engage with the Bible to help believers live out their faith in an unbelieving world. Welcome to this episode of People in Exile. I'm your host for this episode, Chris Chambers, and I'm joined with... The Ben Ellis. The Ben Ellis. Me, Andrew Chamberlain. Actually Andrew. And, actually. actually Andrew Chamberlain. And once again... Jeff. Yeah. The illustrious <laughs> Jeff Dye. The illustrious <laughs> Jeff Dye. Come on. We're, we're not going to let you softball up with Can you say Jeff. that? The illustrious Jeff Dye. Can you do that for us? Let's the illustrious. Yeah. <laughs> that will, that's it forever. I mean, it's right, never changing for sure. Now we have it on Every record. Every time he's here. It Sometimes be we, we dare Ben to say things when he preaches. <laughs> I I'm feel one coming on. I'm never going to say that. Hey, well, oh, that's okay. We're good. That's, a, that's an inside secret. Crap. Inside secret. It's now on live Oof. for the world to hear. Super Cali. Now I know why Ben says sermons. I'm like, why did he just say that? Oh, it's a challenge. T- I'm going to start looking for you guys now. Tunnel full of demons. <laughs> uh, There's some us. good ones. If you go back and listen to some of those sermons, you're like, ooh. Um, so we got a good we got a good topic today. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Way to reel us in. Way to reel us in. It's good. All right. So what we're gonna what we're doing today is this. Here's the the the, the topic. Um, how can we as the church take secular business principles, apply them inside the church without losing the centrality of the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's the that's the broad topic. Exactly what this conversation looks like. I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, but here's what we thought we'd do. We'd, we'd use Jim Collins, the, the business classic, right? Jim, uh, good to great. And uh, we would use uh, his uh, principle, the flywheel kind of concept or principle. And inside that, there there's six different uh, principles that he discusses. So what I'll do real quick, I'll walk us through that, and then that'll be kind of our jumping off point. We'll see where it goes. Okay? Sounds great. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. So this flywheel uh, uh, principle... Um, Andrew, the, the, a flywheel, the idea of this big, giant uh, uh, contraption, and you got to, in order to get it going, you really got to put a lot of effort in, right, yep. in order to get that thing turning. The idea is once you get that flywheel turning, it's going to be turning on its, on its own, and now you suddenly don't have to, it's very little effort to no effort, and it's going all, all by itself, right? Um, now, in order to get there, you have this, what Collins uh, describes as a build-up phase and a breakthrough phase. And before I jump into that, let me just mention this. This idea came through you know, empirical data uh, and, yeah. and, and research uh, uh, years and years and years. Of, they had a whole team. Yeah. I mean, they were just scouring. 15-plus years of data, yeah. right? Uh, used hundreds of, of, of different companies in, in order to find these. Uh, I think there's 11 that, he, that, that ultimately reached this great uh, status. And he took uh, uh, all the commonalities, I guess, right, mm-hmm. with, with, with those uh, uh, businesses and said, here are some principles that we see all of these great companies uh, get. Now, there's some companies— Also, I just so people yeah. know, he was a Stanford professor yeah. of business. So, yeah. I mean, he— He's credentialed in his own. Yeah, this is this the difference. Just again, the difference of this and some other types of business books that you may read. This is a very research. This isn't a lot of frills. It's not one of those types. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, good, good point. So we have this build up phase with this flywheel, build up, build up, and getting the wheel turning, and then you have this breakthrough where suddenly it's turning on its own and the momentum's already there, right? Uh, In order to get there, he breaks that down into three separate concepts, and then there's six uh, under under that. Okay, so let's just look at this. He says it starts with discipline discipline people, people then it moves them to discipline thought and then we get into discipline action right now under the discipline people we have level five leadership okay and we have first who then what just kind of briefly level five leadership really the the thing that that uh, distinguishes or, or, or differentiates the level five leader from a level four leader is somebody who is i'm i'm, I'm giving the credit to my team 
and I'm taking the blame, right? That's the biggest difference. It's, it's that humility piece, right? Certainly inside the church, right? We, we can get, we can get uh, behind that. But again, I'm not going to jump into that. I just want to, let, let's talk about the principles and then we'll, we'll move forward. The second principle under uh, disciplined people is first who, then what? Uh, Collins talks about the idea of make sure you get the right people on the bus, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure you get them on the right seats on the bus. And then you determine where the bus is going, right? So first who, and then what? Uh, that's disciplined people. Then he moves into disciplined thought. Under disciplined thought, he says, confront the brutal facts, right? So be, th- this is where we are. Uh, this is where we're headed if we don't make any changes, right? And this is where we are. And, and then he has the hedgehog, con- hedgehog concept, which I think is, is brilliant. And I'll, I'll try to be as succinct as possible. Uh, the hedgehog concept, the idea that you have this, the, the fox, right, has a thousand different ways to catch its prey. Yeah, hedgehog, though, has one thing that it's really, really good at, and that's defending himself, right? So the fox has a really hard time of ever getting to the hedgehog. Hedgehog balls up, defends himself, good to go, right? So really good at one thing. The hedgehog concept from a business principle, Jim Collins has kind of broken down, and you have three different things. You have, number one, what can I be the best in the world at, right? What can my business be the best in the world at? Number two, uh, what am I passionate about? And number three, what can I make money uh, doing, right? And I I think that's probably where we're going to find the biggest issue inside the church. But nonetheless, those are the three concepts. Whatever, wherever those three, the, the Venn diagram meets all three of those, that's the hedgehog uh, uh, concept. This is where you start seeing the breakthrough as well. So that's discipline thought. Then you get into discipline action, and, and you have two things. Number one, culture of discipline, right? Culture of discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the 20-mile the march kind of idea. This is where I have, uh, uh, I know exactly what we are here to do. We, we, we make sure we stick to the hedgehog concept, only these things. We don't get mission drift, right? We don't get away from our mission. We stick to the mission, and we make sure that we are disciplined in our action. And then finally, he uses uh, what he calls technology accelerators. But again, that really is only the technology piece is only beneficial once you get to this breakthrough point, right? It only helps you to get to that next level is really all that is for. Um, so that's it. That's the that's the flywheel concept, right? Yeah, that's great. So, so I guess the question then, the starting off point, again, whoever wants to jump in, is how can we take these principles inside the church, right, and use them? But again, we got to keep this piece without losing the centrality of the gospel. So I'm going to jump first because yeah. this is... I. I feel per, like from a personal standpoint, this is something that um, I've, I've journeyed through quite a bit, not only educationally, um, but also professionally, because that, like this type of material, I, I've read, I started read, I, I pastored for a dozen years, mm-hmm. and so I read a lot of these types of books, and th- there's there's two ways of looking at this. One is... Neil Postman wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death, and it's a great book. I would recommend everyone reading that book at some point in their life. Um, but he makes this concept that I think is, he gives this concept that's really, really cool. He says, the only thing you got to watch out for a medium, you know, a medium is, is supposed to be something that brings you something else, right? It, it's, it's not the end. But he's like, what happens so much in our culture and our society is the medium tends to become the end. And so... While I love these concepts, and I think we should apply all types of truth, you know, like we should be looking for all kinds of wisdom and guidance and, you know, from these types of books, this type of work, we do have to caution ourselves that if you immerse yourself fully into this and you go just headlong, if you will, to be careful that the medium doesn't become the means that, you know, if if that makes sense, where Mm -hmm. it's like, no... I think any wise person, if they would read this and go through this, if we're talking wise person who's also a pastor or a church leader, wise person who reads this would say, man, there's a, there's 
there's thousands of things theoretically I could pull from this that would assist or move us forward all well and good. But at the same time, I would always have that caution. Don't let the business world become the means, you know, mm-hmm. let it just stay a medium to help you. So mm-hmm. I'll start with that. Let, let me, let me does just, that make sense? Yeah, what I'm it, saying? it does. Yeah. It does. Let, let me, let me mention this too. From, from my personal standpoint, here's, here's my personal kind of journey with, with this. Um, there was a point, you know, six, seven years ago uh, where I, threw all of this away. I didn't want anything to do with it. I wanted the gospel and nothing else. Sure. Right? Uh, so n- everything that I was putting my, into my head, I'm reading good Christian books, you know, about the gospel, and and, and, and that was it. And I felt like if I if I pull these things in, I'm going to start losing my focus, right? Um, and uh, so years and years and years, nothing but that. Uh, and then more recently, I started reading some of these things. It's good stuff. I mean, good, good content. And and, and I, I feel the pendulum, right, as, as Andrew likes to talk about, kind of shifting a little bit. But I got to be careful, right, to make, make sure that this doesn't go all the way in the other direction. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think that's kind of where, where... Well, yeah, because I, I'll be honest with you. I've been, you know, I've been around specific Christian leaders where, um, and they're great men, and I don't want to sound too negative by no means with this statement, but where... This type of conversation, like we're taking everything from the business world and we're applying it just unilaterally to the church world, and you can't necessarily do that. Right. However, that doesn't den- or that doesn't keep these things from still being an, a great benefit or a great addition. So it's just that balance, and and I think that's the key. And and I will say one other thing there, and then we'll, we can move on from that part, in my opinion. But it's very interesting how much personality dictates that as well. Like, depending on your personality type, like, if you're very, there are certain people that have such a strong personality that may view this, they may view this so strong one way or the other that kind of hinders them from seeing it from a different perspective. So I would just challenge people on that as well, because knowing you, Chris, I can understand where you'd be like that six Mm -hmm. years ago, because what, maybe you're going through a personal resurgence Mm -hmm. and you really just want... You, right. you're, you're you're filtering your personal experience now for the global church, right. and we got to be careful not yeah. to do that yeah. at the same time. Yep, good point. So so just just understand, there's got to be a lot of grace when we have this conversation because people are going to be at different parts in their own personal journey, yeah. and they're going to be at different parts in their own church journey. So let, let me let me ask this question, and we'll open it up to, to Jeff and Ben. Um, <clears throat> are we creating a false dichotomy here? Right, it, just the question in of itself, uh, saying uh, uh, how can we use these. Uh, almost make it an either or, as Ben likes to say, you know, as, when it when it can be a both and. Uh, again, I, I I don't know. I'm asking the question. What do you think? Can we use secular business? Let's start there. Can yeah. we use secular business principles in the inside the church for the glory of God? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I would I would say I would say you know if we look at if we look at the reality that that the Bible tells us that everything we do we should do with the best of our ability as mm-hmm. if we're doing it for the Lord. Mm-hmm. So the Lord demands excellence. I mean, he he deserves it. He demands it. What is excellence? If you're if you're in a church. That is um, a certain size church. I don't want to put a number on it, but there, there comes a mo- there there comes a point where your church becomes, in order to keep the doors open, in order before in, or, in order for it to continue to grow itself and, and accomplish all the different tasks. I mean, just the reality of you have if you have multiple employees. Now you, you become a business. You have employees where you have to you have to employ them. You have to you have to care for them. You have to care for the facilities. You have to care for all these. So you you, you become a business. It's a people business and you would never want to lose track of the fact that it's a people business. Um and that and that that ultimately our CEO is, is Christ himself. And so we we have to follow his mandates, his rules, his objectives, his vision uh, for that business. Um, but but if you're not if, if you're not looking to grow as a leader in how to lead that organization well, 
then you're you're in some regards you're you're failing in that effort. You're you're, you're dealing with mediocrity at best because uh, all of us, myself included, we only have we, we only have so much knowledge that we can obtain by ourselves, mm-hmm. and so we have to learn from people that are you know researching and doing all these things. But I mean, as Andrew said, you can't you can't say like this good to great is the model to follow. You can't you can't pick up a, uh, another leadership book and say, well, John Maxwell has lots of leadership principles. That's going to become the the model for us as a, as a church to follow. Does he have good stuff? Yeah, he has good stuff. And so we have to utilize that and grow it. So I, I would say that for sure, leadership, secular leadership principles um, can be and should be considered um, in developing your, your church's uh, direction. So to answer that as well, look at the book of Acts. It's, it's phenomenal to see. So here the concept is first two, right? That's one of our big things. First two. Yeah. Um, so if we're applying this to like a church context, you think of, okay, we have the, the power of the Holy Spirit in the, in the book of Acts that, sh- that the Lord is adding to their numbers daily, right? As the Lord's adding to their numbers daily, what do they start experiencing? Organizational issues. So what do they have to do? Select the right people to take care of these organizational issues. So you can see that same concept. That concept, this this concept that Jim has discovered, it's key to understand he discovered it. He didn't create it. There is a, right. you know what I mean? And Jesus did the same thing. When he started his ministry, what did he do? The first, I mean, we do see him preaching, and we see him kind of doing this simultaneously, but at the same time, he selects what? his closest guys to go with him. And so that concept of first two isn't, so if we, if we view these as, as just this either, or I think we miss it um, because the concept is the concept, regardless if it's practiced at subway or if it's practiced at, in our context, Northcliffe, you Mm -hmm. know? So, but at the same time we have to understand, and and I'll, I'll, I'll get off this, you know, this thing eventually, but we have to understand that just because we got the who does not mean that, that's what gave us the results, or whichever concept that we want to go through here with Jim, because it was Jesus who, who brought the results. It was Christ who was adding to the numbers daily, according to the book of Acts. So, so I, I guess that that's really the big danger, right? Uh, it is, it, because it, if, especially if you start getting good at this, mm-hmm. and you, like, let's be honest, you can, you can really get good at this and really lead a church well, but you might not be leading the church by the Holy Spirit. So you got to be careful. Yeah, and, and, and again, even, even that term that you just use, well, uh, from a from a uh, a worldly standpoint, yeah. you're leading that organization well. Yep. But from 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 a, a like you said, biblical standpoint, you know, sure. you're leading them maybe to destruction even. Yeah. Uh, so we got to be super careful uh, with that. But but giving the glory, all the glory to God, making sure because I, I, I you know I'm, I'm, as we're going through this, I'm thinking through the think about the church growth movement, right? And and how that impacted the church. I think a lot again we saw churches blowing up, right? Mega churches and and all these things. However, what's happened since? Right? Sure. We see we see many of them declining uh, at, at this point. Uh, and I think what, what they what they did is they, a lot of individuals, we took the church growth movement and said, all right, this is, the, uh, this is how we need to move forward. And, and this was the focus as opposed to, right, the gospel. And so we I, made I, the medium the I, end. Yeah, I, th- I think the priority, right, where, yeah. where, 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 the, where the goal is, where our eyes are focused, I think that's super, super important. Then I, I guess let me ask this question. How do we make sure that doesn't happen? Right. How, how, so we're using these things. Right. Is it is it a matter of making sure that we're defining terms properly? For example, uh, you know, the, you know, you said, you know, uh, like a church is like a business, making sure that we understand what that means, because a business from a from a, you know, uh, a capitalistic right a standpoint is something that makes money. Right. The bottom line is, is what, I what drives. I don't think there's a, there's a standpoint on that. I think that's the design of every business. 
right. is to make money. Because no, right. no matter how altruistic a business is, a business cannot be altruistic unless it's making money. Sure. Right. Because that's its fundamental goal. That is the definition of a business. Right. And that's, 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 where, that's where I end up on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of danger in that. When we, when we start equating an organization like the church mm-hmm. with a business, mm-hmm. we become very, very difficult in, in a very tight spot. Because as much as, and again, I know it's me, it's linguistics, it's, it's semantic, however you want to argue it. I, don't, I understand that part. But the reality is when we say church is business, we are defining the church in such a way mm-hmm. that it has never biblically been defined that way. Ever, mm-hmm. so this is where I become very yeah. cautious and standoffish. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and I get it. And again, I think that's where that's where being being careful with our words is important, right? That's where making sure that everybody who is 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 involved in the conversation understands exactly what we're saying and what we're not saying, right? Yeah. So I so I think there's well, a way to have the conversation without without what you know the, I think, the danger. I, that you just I think mentioned. that just just to, and, and not to argue, yeah, but yeah. but to, to kind of push back. I don't think the church has ever been positioned. If you look at the Book of Acts, I mean, you're going to go to the Bible. It's never been a, a church that even had um, discipleship budgets. It never had preaching budgets. It never had conferences. It never had, you know, it never had children's ministry and music ministry, and it didn't have any. So, so the church today is very different than the church in the Bible, so we had to be careful to say right, apples right. to apples. Right, right, right. Um, but, but there's a difference between these are the tools that we're using versus this is the nature yeah, of the Yeah, but thing. what pays for the tools? The budget. Well, and so you have to make money. So at the end of the day, right, you're not making money like a a Fortune 500 company that makes money and their goal is to make profit. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about making profit. There's a big difference between uh, so, running a business to break even mm-hmm. at the end of the year because if you don't break even at the end of the year, if you continue to run in the red, you're going to go. You're going to go under. And the church is going to close. We have no no platform for the gospel anymore. So we have to make the from a leadership perspective, there has to be a model of effective business ownership, whatever you want to call it. There, understanding that ultimately everything is about Jesus and about the gospel and about um, disciple making. But if we don't make the end mark, if mm-hmm. we don't, if we don't accomplish the budgetary business side of things, people get laid off. Mm-hmm. That's a business decision. That's not a, that's not a church decision. That's not a discipleship decision. That's a business decision. When you fire someone, it's a business decision. Um, when you uh, when you have to stop a ministry because you don't have financial support, that's mm-hmm. a business decision. That's not a ministry decision. And so there there's decisions that come because of the business structure. And again, I think that that's where that's where we just have to define that word because mm-hmm. I, I agree with Ben 100%. Mm-hmm. You can't be in it to make a profit because right. that's where it becomes very dangerous because now your your decision making becomes the how do we make profit mm-hmm. versus how do we disciple people? How right. do we grow people? Mm-hmm. That should always be there, but in a again, I, maybe I'm only speaking it because I'm in the seat that I'm in now mm-hmm. in a larger church and have the greater responsibility than maybe a smaller church that you don't have some of these conversations, but um, but I, I see it I see it a little differently because every decision that you make has a business business backing behind it. So there's always a cost to every decision, and we, gotta, we just got to be careful mm-hmm. um, that we don't err on either side. We don't want to go like like Andrew said and, and say this is the model we got to follow it. We also don't want to be uh, on the side that just says we don't have to do anything because the Holy Spirit is going to take care of everything because I think the Bible tells us to be obedient. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, that's where, to some degree, there's always that business model decision that has to be made. But you're right. We have to clarify that. What is that? Because Ben's right in that, you know. Well, see, I think, but see, this is, and again, this is one of those places where I'm still super cautious mm-hmm. because you just ran down a whole list of ministries. 
Well, there's also the argument saying we shouldn't have any of those ministries. Like we've 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 specialized and we've unique and we've retooled and a variety of different things. And maybe we shouldn't have those. Like one of the one of the huge proponents for that right now is a guy named Bodie Bachman. And you look at his ministry model, and it's radically different to a lot of those kind of things because he's much more family oriented. And you go back and you look at the New Testament, you look at the Old Testament, you see a lot of those realities come back into place. And now you have to maybe retool, we have to maybe retool our thinking in some of those in some of those aspects. And that, in fact, that's one of the reasons why family ministry at Northcliffe is so important is because we are trying to in a meaningful way, kind of tap into this reality that, you know, and we've all said it, you know, not even just here, but in a variety of places and locations that, uh, that, that uh, the family is the first place that discipleship begins to take root. So if that is, if that really is what we're seeing in the Bible, then it becomes a lot more important for us in the long run to begin to tap into those structures, right. And think through those kind of things meaningfully. So there, and, and, just organizationally, I think that uh, there are also some other New Testament kind of things that are really important. Like in Acts 6, you do see an organizational model coming up, right? You do see that servant ministry kind of take, begin to take place. It's the, the institution of the deacon ministry with Stephen and seven other deacons. So it's not like the Bible is devoid of these ideas, but it's the reality that there, are, there is more in the text than I think we need to worry about. And again, uh, again... It, I have this question, right? Because this is just part of who I am. If if something is something, right, then its purpose is going to very distinctly flavor what makes it succeed. Sure. Right. So that's and that's where again I become like I said, I want to be careful. To be to be fair though, before I'm like, you know, and I know you guys aren't doing this, but I want to make sure everybody on the other side of this conversation hears this too. I have read more leadership books than than most people realize, right? I have like 25 John Maxwell books. Uh, I have, you know, we're we're reading another leadership book on our staff, and uh, that who suggested it? I did, you know. So I'm not saying that you know throw. Hey, you're not like anti. I'm this. not anti, yeah. but I'm like we have got to be so careful because even even in this, right? We're looking at this flywheel, the hedgehog principle. What can what can you be the best in the world at? It actually may not matter. Right. Because what you may be the best in the world at may not be what God is calling you to do, because what you're the best in the world at may be your idol. And now the hedgehog principle doesn't work because it's not about what I'm good at. It's about what God wants me to do. And that's something functionally different. So so this this is where this conversation gets really challenging because you're you're you know, you're dealing with it. Okay. I've been on both sides of this. I've been on the business side. I've been on the pastoral side. And I'm telling you, you, you in our previous episode, you asked Jeff, um, you asked Pastor Jeff a question. You're like, hey, do you agree with this quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones? Who Martin Lloyd, when he says, if you can get out of this, do it, right? I mean, that's kind of the idea. Because I'll be honest with you, this kind of conversation, if you really start to peel back, the, it's difficult. It's very yeah. difficult because you're trying... There's not a man sitting at this table who's not trying to do their utmost to bring glory to God mm -hmm. and see That's the true. kingdom of God mm -hmm. grow. And I've seen that all around the world. But I've seen a lot of people fight over these types of things because, mm -hmm. and I want to use that word cautiously, fight, but there is that challenge. There sure. is that that rub of like, okay, what is the best way of this? And you see in the Bible, I mean, John Mark and, and, and Paul are fighting vicious or, you know, powerfully over you know barnabas as an example so i mean it's a it's just a challenging challenging thing so i think for us to be able to move forward in this conversation we have to come to some agreements so we can talk about some of this like okay 
for example, this whole word business, I agree with Ben, it's challenging because of the semantics of it. It's very challenging. Mm-hmm. But when you start to use that concept, you talk to uh, John Doe, who's been in your church for 50 years, but he's been running a business for 50 years. That's going to bring up a whole different idea for him than, um, you know, some guy who's not done that, you know, because mm-hmm. you're like, holy cow, <laughs> you know, I know what this means. I know some of the decisions that are made. I know some of the, you know, so it is a challenging thing, but I think we'd mm-hmm. have to have to some kind of agreement here to be able to like, all right, hey, we, we all have the good intentions. Let's get through the content, so to speak, and mm-hmm. kind of figure out from there. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. I think it's a challenging thing. So are you suggesting we go through those uh, concepts? Just I think talk so. About I think it's the best way. Because if not, we would have a hard time okay. being able to move forward. Okay. So, again, and you you know, make a good point in that. Uh, Great point. Certainly God. God <laughs> I mean, uh, both did. Yeah. I, I, I was pointing to the hedgehog concept in particular because we're about to dive into that. But, you, you know, the idea that the hedgehog concept says, what are you the best in the world at, right? What can you, what are you passionate about? And uh, uh, what can you make money at, right? That's going to be, uh, that, that, that last one in particular may be one that, uh, as the church, the right, mo- we need to. The money part. Yeah, it, would, yeah. it, would, it might need to, For we'd sure. need to change that uh, and, and, and adopt something different, exactly what that other thing would be, not sure. Um, you know, I th- God certainly gifts us all in different ways, right? Ideally, uh, um, then uh, he, he uses us, puts us in places to be able to use those gifts, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I think where, where we tend to flourish is where we're working in our giftings. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I, I think generally those things are, are going to be one and the same. I see what you're saying in that, you know, God's going to get all the glory. And so uh, if he's going to get all the glory, he's not going to necessarily use the most talented people, blah, 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 right? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of your idea uh, there with the hedgehog concept. Well, I, right? I, would, I would even, you know, I, you would want to be very, again, I don't want to be very careful about this, right? Because one of the things that Pastor Jeff does, and I think he does a great job at Northcliffe at, is saying what is success for us, right? Mm-hmm. What do we want to create? Uh, he and I had a long conversation about, you know, what does a disciple of a disciple of Jesus at Northcliffe look like, right? And he's really kind of adjusted sort of our thinking on that. So it may it might, the the question for the principal may be, you know, what can we make money at? Well, that's not the question we want to ask because we're at church. We know right, of course the sure. money ma- making money is our goal, but what is our goal? Making and ma- disciples ma- maybe of Jesus success Christ, is yeah. making disciples, and yeah. we just have to readjust it and say it that way. So okay. I want to make sure that I'm clear that I'm not like I know I sound very inflexible mm-hmm. because. This is one of the things I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. I'm passionate about the nature the, the, the nature of the church. So right. I'm very, and this is probably why I'm hesitant in this conversation because I am passionate about the nature of the let, church. Let, let's do this. But, let me let me go back to the let me go back to the first one, right? So we, we we again this flywheel concept. So we have the disciplined people. We have level five leadership, right? We have level five leadership. We have first two, then what? Like you were mentioning. Uh, Andrew, the level five leadership, uh, that would be individuals who are absolutely uh, uh, humble, filled with humility, right? Always looking to take the blame when mistakes are made, always looking to uh, uh, give others uh, credit. Uh, ultimately, right, the ultimate credit goes to God. Uh, and so uh, it, wh- where where would we see some similarities in, in these two concepts? We'll start with level five leadership. And where would we see some, some things where we'd say, okay, we wouldn't be able to use these concepts? What do you think? Level five leadership in particular. Well, I think I think in, in in general I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's absolutely like if you study what he means by a level five leader, I think it's phenomenal because you're you're hitting on one of the big parts is humility. humility yeah. And if you're going to be a leader in the church, regardless if you are the lead pastor or if you're a um, an, an associate pastor or an elder or deacon, whatever, if you don't have that. Yeah, humility, humility that yeah. says, wait a second, this isn't about me. This isn't about my agenda. This right. isn't about my you know, my name, um, then watch out, <laughs> you know, it's not, not, that's not gonna be a good spot. So, 
Uh, I think I think in general it's really great. I think the the other challenge is the maybe the I don't know if we want to call it a negative, but we got to be careful that uh, our way of developing leaders needs to to make sure we. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little artificial with this statement, but it, it, we got to make sure that we're developing leaders in our church that are also having that same humility. So as an example, one of the things we stress at Northcliffe that I love is service. service. And, you know, we don't want to unintentionally communicate, okay, become a leader. Um, we want you to become a leader. And, that, and, and that's... Uh, creating within a person like this ego trip, like, oh man, I want to be the man or the woman and, you know, no, no, we want you to become a servant. (laughs) We want you to really, you know, follow Christ. So I think, I think that would be the only challenge is like, make sure that how we're communicating that is, you know, really the aspiration of. And and again, I'll I'll take it a step back, a starting point in the church, believers, right? I mean, we we probably just wanted to mention that because I think we just kind of jumped over that. So that's number one. The biggest difference is we're we're talking about believers inside the church. With that being said, certainly are 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 there unbelievers that are that are in churches? Uh, The answer is yes. Can we always distinguish who those individuals are? Uh, The answer is going to be no to that. But the best we can with discipleship, so on and so forth, making sure that we start at that point uh, at level five leadership. Humility certainly is very very difficult as a non-believer to have true humility, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the Holy Spirit really uh, is, is. all that we can rely on in order to get to that point. Um, but uh, in, any other thoughts, Jeff or, or, or Ben, on on the, the level five leadership point? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that when we're talking about we're talking about the 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 idea of, of humility, yeah. right? That's for all followers first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to have a, a spirit of humility, and so um, part of part of being that. And, and, and it, this is not a shot at any staff member now or pastor mm-hmm. that I've ever served with, but a lot of times it's 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 staff people in church leadership don't like to take the blame mm-hmm. um they all it's it's easy to point fingers like mm-hmm. oh you know yeah i might have missed the deadline but it's so-and-so's fault for not getting me what i asked for mm-hmm. right and 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 that's 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 the difference between what i think he's trying to yeah. say here a level five leader says it is my fault you know should i push that person harder to get me what i needed yes right. should i have held them accountable yes at the end of the day though i'm going to come in sit at the table look someone in the eye and say it's my fault yeah. you know and at the end of the day you know as a lead pastor uh, I, I can point fingers. I can say it's so and so's fault, but at the end of the day, it's my responsibility. You know, and, and, and I've had people. I have good people, good, good, uh, godly people tell me, Jeff, you can't take the blame for everything that happens at the church, and, and and I don't want to take the blame. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that's God's put me as a lead pastor. Mm-hmm. If it if it if it um, if if I entrust people to do something and they don't do it. I own it. Now, does that mean I have to have tough conversations in the, in the end? Yeah, it does. I have to have tough conversations with the people that, that I took the blame for, but um, I have to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. And that's where it becomes a very difficult decision. And that's where, again, is it a business decision now or is it a ministry decision? Because now we're in a very different, that, that tough mm-hmm. conversation, mm-hmm. that tough you know tension there, because uh, it, it is, we still have whatever we want to call it, sorry, an organization that we have to run and operate. Mm-hmm. And if someone's not doing their job, then that's a decision that has to be made. And, and real quick, but, Ben, the, the one thing I want to mention, and I'll jump to you, is uh, 
the, the posture that every Christian, every believer should have is one that we always giving the credit to God, right? always yeah. taking the blame for any, any failures that we have, right? I mean, just that's our sinful nature. That's our state uh, of being. Any good thing that, 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 that we're able to accomplish is only because of what God has given uh, to us. So that should be the natural posture, which means that inside the church, you should, it should be filled with uh, nothing but you know, humble individuals. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not what we see, right? Because we're all in different states of that sanctification process. Go ahead, Ben. Well, now I would just say, like, to, uh, in that standpoint, I think Jeff's absolutely right, but I also think it is a ministry decision, right? And again, you go back to Barnabas, John, Mark, and Paul, you're right? Barnabas and Barnabas and Paul. So you know what? We have this issue over John, Mark, and we're going to go our separate ways. That was a ministry decision for them. It wasn't an organizational decision. It was a ministry decision for them, mm-hmm. right? Paul's like, hey, look, this guy's... He bailed he, on he, us. Yeah. We were doing the gospel work, and he bailed on us. Right. I'm done. I'm out. You know, I, I I can't work with somebody who's going to who who I know is going to be behind me, kind of short sheeting mm-hmm. us as we go. Barnabas, on the other hand, right? Barnabas meaning encourager, right? right? Takes the very opposite side and says, "You know what? Hey, I've look, been forgiven. I, I I've been given grace. Yeah, yeah. I've been <laughs> given some grace here, and uh, you know, yeah. John Mark tripped up on us, but you know what? Let's." Let's stay with him a yeah. little bit. And Paul's like, no, man, I got stuff to do. And God and, used and, them both. And Yeah, and God used them yeah. both. God, yeah. But it was a ministry decision for those guys. Paul was like, look, this is about the mission of the church. And Barnabas goes, yeah, it is. But, it, but it's also about the mission to Mark. And we need him too. So I'm going to take him with me. You're going to go your other way. We're, we're both going to get what we need to get done done. You know. And again, that's a ministry decision as much as it is anything else. I think it's both fans, right. but that's okay. Because in today's it's my favorite culture, sense. Well, in, in today's culture, right? Every ministry decision has a business aspect because in that situation, what he just described, absolutely right, ministry decision, mm-hmm. um, there was no financial ties to either one of them. So they just went on and the money, it was, you know, they, they were being paid wherever they went. They weren't being paid for that particular job at that particular church. And the mm-hmm. moment that you have to make a tough ministry decision at a church, there is a business ramification. There's a financial ramification. There's a there's a uh, accountability. There's a void in that church, that business, that organization. Uh, there, there's there's a lot of stuff that happens in that that entity. So mm-hmm. it's not a, it's a ministry. If we were traveling missionaries, it, it would be a ministry only. It would have no ramification on the local business of that specific location. So that's why I say it's at both ends. But See, that I, may be how I look at it. So mm-hmm. yeah, and it might be because I, I would I would actually tend to disagree, right? Because let's say you've got, you know, regardless of time period, you've got two guys or two people, just people in general, who are partnering together. They're doing great work together. They're going from place to place to place to place to place together. You know, and then all of a sudden, uh, those two guys split ways. Well, which one do you support? There's a financial decision in play now because yeah. now you've got not two ministry or not one ministry but two. Sure. So so there is a finan- there still was a financial aspect for that at the same time. So I mean I, I don't know that that's I, I don't know that there we're as far removed in that conversation as as, as we may want to think we are in some cases. Um, this is not about that, but also just <laughs> level five leader, just so we're clear. So people that are familiar with the book, it's not just humility. Right. There's a professional will. Yeah. Right. And so I just wanted to say, you know, kind of bring that point in that, that, and I think that's very true that we got to have people in our church that know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't deny that at all. I think yeah. actually if we kind of take the opposite route of that, then, then, then that's silly. So, I mean, I would really encourage any church leader, church pastor, whatever, to become the best that they possibly can at preaching, teaching, um, leading all those things. I think that's big part of it. And so. I would I would say even the the John Mark the Paul Barnabas and John Mark example are exactly 
in line with that because what what are what are both Barnabas and Paul showing? A lot of professional will, right? They know what their mission is. They sure. know what they're trying to get done, yeah. and they have a disagreement about what about how's the best way to get it done. Yeah. So they they part ways. They sure. go different ways, and God blesses both of their ministries, and and that's okay. That's that's okay. That's not inherently bad. It's just it's what happened. Well, we did not get uh, through nearly as much as uh, as I thought maybe we would. Andrew, you said there's a uh, what'd you say? <laughs> Plenty well, of information here. <laughs> oh, good. Well, the problem. See, this is the challenge with this conversation. Yeah. It's it's the jumping off point. It could go right. right. Because like yeah. you're you're what we did right here. This right. Here, this is this is I've I've seen this for ten plus years. Yeah. This is the issue. Where where do you get on the same page with these concepts so that you can have the conversation versus having the conversation about the concepts. And that's so, it's, it's, it's really hard. And maybe that's the most important thing. You know, I don't know. It's just a very challenging, challenging thing. Well, and I think part of this too, though, is, is that disagreements do not mean disrespect. Exactly. And that's, and that's part of the thing is, is that, is that everybody in this conversation, well, let me rephrase, everybody who is meaningfully coming to this information or in, in, in coming to this conversation with the intent of, I want the church to be the best the church can possibly be, is all coming in with the extent of, how do we do this well, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's the, that's the corner of this, right? And and I, I know that I'm on one end of the spectrum, and I know that, or not one, I shouldn't say I'm on one end of the spectrum, but I know that we all fall at different points on mm-hmm. this on this spectrum of, yeah, we can use all the business, or yeah, none of it. You know, we're all in the middle of this, and we're just trying to find out what the best possible route is. Like, like you said, how, how can we best leverage what God has given us, and where yeah, God has put absolutely. us, where God has planted us, with the information mm-hmm. that we have uh, to glorify God in all that we do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the question, uh, um, you know, making sure that it's all about the gospel and all that we do, uh, at the same time using these not as priority, not as number one, not as the main thing, but as, as simply a, a tool, like, like it's been mentioned. There's a lot of different places we could go from here, obviously, because of time. We'll have to go ahead and shut it down. Uh, we typically like to end the episodes with uh, with prayer, would you mind praying for us? Pastor sure, Jeff? Be honest. Yeah, yep, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity just to come and talk about uh, your church, about your your movement that you're doing. And God, we, we're grateful to be a part of it. Thank you for this conversation around um, the good to great uh, by Jim Collins. We thank you for his insights and his uh, leadership that he's provided for so many years. And God, we do pray that you would um, continue to pour out your wisdom uh, in mm-hmm. any leader that's listening to this. Uh, any 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 organization, whatever it may be, God, we know that at the end of the day, we, we serve you. You are our king. You are our our true um, leader and commander in chief. And so, God, we desire to honor you and serve you well. Uh, we want to take the church that in this in this setting, a Northcliffe Church that you've given to uh, us to, to lead. Uh, God, we pray that you would help us lead it faithfully and well, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like, uh, and whatever tools and resources we use, uh, whatever terminology we use. God, mm-hmm. we we pray that you would help us be able to uh, take it further and, and be be wise and be smart and, and, and be diligent in caring for every person, every every soul, every every dollar that comes in. May we honor you with it. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, God, we just pray that um, in that pursuit of doing this well for you, you would honor it, you would add to the numbers as you see fit, and we would continue to faithfully serve you. Father, we love you. We thank you. We ask your blessing upon everyone who is listening, and may they honor you as well today. In Christ's name, amen. 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 For thee, Ben Ellis. Actually, Andrew and the illustrious Jeff Dye. I am Chris Chambers. Thank you for listening to this episode. As always, thank you for listening to People in Exile. For more information, visit the website, peopleinexile.com, and make sure to follow us on Facebook. Until next time, keep praying and seeking the welfare of your city.